Hello there, and welcome to a Dungeons and Dragons role-playing podcast. My name is Stacy, and I'm the DM. So come with me and my good friend Mick. Join us in our weekly discussion about our campaign. Listen to our successes and failures while trying to flex our role-playing muscle. The funny bits, the dumb bits, and the all-round good time that comes with this great activity. The cast for our second shot at this campaign is Elbrum, a male Asmar warlock with his pixie familiar silhouette starfire of an unnamed fey court. Then there's Morden, Morden Kell, a male elven rogue that wants to be a monk, and his brother Ventus, a male dark elf rogue with a coy smile. Asher Bloodfist, a male human barbarian that wants to kill the Black Sultan. And finally, we have Mick, who plays Calidus Magnus Lunior, a male elf-marked wizard who's got a box. The campaign setting is the Southlands from Cobalt Press. We're using the D&D 5e ruleset, and we game using the Fantasy Grounds virtual tabletop. So that's the cast. That's the campaign. Now, welcome to the show. In this episode, we learn what happens after the new players carry the corpse of an insectoid through the streets of Metropolis, looking for the cops. Can Calidus count on his relationship with Sergeant Mehmet? Will the party continue the search for the thief Rahid? Will they throw Mistress Hannah under the bus? Who will do the talking for the party? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, excuse me, uh, Mr. Mrs. NPC... Uh, we need a moment to huddle, uh, before we, uh, we, before we answer that question. What happens when the players go off on a let's be crazy tangent? What does the GM do? Who is Hakan, and why is he summoning the party? Will the rogues be rogues and break into Hakan's house? What happens when the players arrive at Rahid's home and everyone is dead? And what is this strange stone that Calidus has found? This episode then wraps up with Mick and I discussing what happens when another campaign heads into disaster and how or why would that happen. So, sit back, stay tuned, and enjoy. Okay, last session, uh, we started down on the flying carpet. No, last, <laughs> last session, we had just met the guard and you guys were carrying the Tuscali on your shoulders. And now it was a matter of, of, of taking the Tuscali to meet the city watch and you were the city watch in the wharf district. So you guys took an earth sled, you arrived at the city watch and you met the master detective, the Sergeant master detective Nynaeve. Now your character Calidus was expecting to meet Sergeant Mehmet, but I threw you for a loop because your backstory, you included Sergeant Mehmet, but I decided that I can't have him meet Mehmet just yet. So instead, yes. I introduced a new character, and this is who you guys met, and and we're showing that character, the Tuscali, and hoping for something. So what did you guys hope to get out of that meeting? Well, we hope to get information. So so this was a trade, and and I guess this is... The way of approaching these kind of situations is that we've done something good for you. If we get in your good books, you will protect us in the future. 
I didn't get to meet Sergeant Mehmet, but I got to meet uh, the lovely chief detective and we pumped her for information and we didn't get a lot. Yeah, it was, it was funny though, because I, I mean, you put Sergeant Mehmet into your backstory because you knew that he existed because I went and shared a little tidbit of information in Discord before session one about a couple of the NPCs. And so you use that as part of your backstory to become friends with Mehmet. So I thought, okay, that's fine. You know, if he wants to use Mehmet, I mean, I put it out there, so that's acceptable. But I couldn't have you meet him just yet. And I thought there might be some good to transition the characters to give you something less of what you expected. And I guess, and this is, and here it comes about that thing about, um, you know, how do you play the game? If, if you get given an opportunity as a player, and, I, and when you didn't give me Sergeant Emmett as a player, I instantly made the decision. If you're not going to give him to me straight up, then I'll save him for later. So I'll put him in my pocket and I'll cash him in later. And, and clearly, as, as you said before we did this podcast, I didn't ask for him and that threw you somewhat. Yeah. So yeah. we've both been throwing each other with Kay Abandon. And yeah. this is part of the fun of the game. Yeah. Mean, to me, this is what it's all about. Because that, that's what I was expecting. I knew that you knew who Sergeant Mehmet was. You're coming up to the office. This was the office that he was running. And I was sitting there thinking, okay, when is Calidus going to ask about Mehmet? Because I had a response prepared for that and Calidus didn't answer, ask that question. So I was like, all right, cool. So <laughs> this is one of those things, again, where as a game master, you prepare, you prepare, you prepare. And, oh, man, I was just watching the other day Rudy Rutenberg and Satine Phoenix, uh, the GMs from Fury's Reach. They were talking about how for this D&D session that they were doing for Wizards of the Coast, they had huge flow charts set up of if-then conditions for the players because they were, they were mixing two groups that were, you know, whatever this group did might be canon for this group and this group canon for the other group. So they had to have a lot of checks in place for themselves as the game masters to make it happen. And I was sitting there thinking, flow charts, my Lord, making flow charts. And all I sit there and think of is, okay, what are my, PC, my NPC's motivations here? So I did consider that, all right, if Calidus knows Mamet, what might, Cal, what might Calidus be asking for? And so from that point of view, I, I had some responses ready, but do I get to use them or not? I mean, that's up in the air. And in this case, no, this time I didn't. But you will be able to drag them out of the head later on. Because yeah. Kind and, of play. And, 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 there are, and there are, and, and when it comes to NPCs, would it be correct to say there are only two things that are going to happen? You're going to meet an NPC and you're going to uh, make them a friend. You're going to meet an NPC and you're going to threaten them. And more often than not, we see the player threatens the NPC. The, th the player gives them a hard time. And the NPC, more often than not, doesn't give them anything for it. Yeah, well, and this is the thing. Like, I mean, when you're playing in a city, I mean, a city is full of NPCs. Now, of course, as a game master trying to, you know, create profiles for everybody, that's just ridiculous. It's just not possible. So I, I, I try to gloss over the meetings of some of the other ones. Like when you guys first brought the Tuscali back into from, from the hunt, into the wharf district. Yeah, I had you guys surrounded by people and now they were more willing to give you some information than they might have before where you would have to do charisma checks and gossip checks in order to try to get information. Now you've done something that's incredible. So I was just like, okay, they're going to be more willing and free with their tongues to, to say something interesting. But who is this person that's talking to you and what is their motivation? No way. And that's why I, I think I, I, I 
my, I remember you guys asked about one and I was just like, yeah, you heard someone say it, but you didn't actually see who Nasur. said it because yeah. Yeah. Like and, someone and, mentioned and, Nasur. And from a, from a campaign point of view, it's great because you've just given us another bit of information. We've yeah. now got another NPC that we can play with. Yeah. Uh, we don't know if he's friendly or not. We can go and find out who he is. Something will pop up somewhere along yeah. the line. And the more the NPCs get to accumulate information, the, the better off their position is to make good judgments on what they're going to do in the future. You guys, the players, not the NPCs. Sorry, the players. Yeah. Sorry, got that wrong. Um, but what I see is that a lot of players don't do that. No. Most players do not treat NPCs as an asset. That or, they or, or I mean, they don't think of them as, as other people that you need to associate with. And I mean, that, that's the thing is they're, all, they're people. And, and this is, I think, the biggest thing for me is always remembering that NPCs are people. Uh, they have lives. And yes, it's a game. And of course, you can't possibly think, but there's got to be consequences to the player's actions. And if you treat NPCs poorly... I mean, word spreads and, and you they're like, you, you know, that big barbarian, he was a real jerk. And you wouldn't walk into a, a pub that you've never been into before and start threatening the bar or the bloke sitting at the end of the bar. The bouncers will jump, just come and throw you out. That's, that's yeah. how that would end. And in a city, if you do something stupid, the city watch, the police will be there and all of a sudden you get on their books and you don't want to be on their books. You want to be on their books as being a good guy. Yeah. And, and the Tuscali in this particular scenario was one of the best things that could happen yeah. to us. We now have an ally in the police. They haven't given us anything, although they, we did get ended up getting a set of sending stones, no. which is, that was one out of the blue. I hope you had, did you have a plan for that? Or did yeah, just, I, 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 did I that did, just come? I did think about, okay, you guys are providing them with these Tuscali. Now, clearly, I mean, it's like any other police. They want to get in touch with you because they need to follow up something. So I haven't fully flushed out that they go to the scene of the crime and figure out. So at some point I'll have to figure out, okay, what might happen from that? And I'll probably throw something together, but it won't be elaborate. It'll just be, oh yeah, that, that was neat. And then maybe something grows from that. I, I don't know. But yeah, my, my thought thinking was, okay, they should give you some way to get in contact with you and that it, or you get in contact with them and that allows something else to grow. But it is a one. So in this case, it's a one way conversation. No, because no, it could be, you could, because I didn't think we were, yeah, with, with the sending stones, they're pairs, but these are, these ones will, uh, after you use, whether they use it or you use it, it will disappear. I thought they had to, I thought they had to instigate no, the conversation. No, so, which would be, a, a, I mean, to me, I, I look at this from um, the, the gameplay point of view and, and thinking from a, a DM, if you start accumulating things like this, if you've got a, a sending stone that only sends one way, it's something you can put in your bag use later. And if you don't pull it out of the bag, then you don't have to use it. We cut stones around. Everything we carry gets heavier and heavier, but it's, yeah. it doesn't do us any good. And Unless, I mean, and I mean, it does give you some, some um, ability to go somewhere else, like having that connection with them. And, and I, I did like as well that, you know, thinking about what would that connection be? And then when, she started, so she got the information about what happened there. And then she started asking you, well, why were you guys out there? Yes. And, and then, because I figured it makes sense. The police would want to know what were you doing more than just that. Right. So they started asking why. And I really liked that you guys were like, oh yeah, we're, we're, we're out there. We're looking for this guy. Do you know this guy, Rahid? But then who sent you 
you guys were very tight lipped about that. And I, yeah, I it's interesting there. that we that the starting position was to say nothing to her. Yeah. Um, and I actually broke ranks there and, and, and said, this is what we were doing. Mm. And you could hear the gasp from the others going, don't tell her what's going on. But again, in a real situation, yeah. you would tell them everything that you could possibly tell them. And the bit that you withhold is the bit, who are you working for? Yeah. And, and then she has an opportunity to do one of two things. She can either take that on board and say, yes, that's okay. And maybe she will help you out later or yeah. she can just shut you down completely. Yeah. And if we'd been shut down completely at that point of time, we wouldn't actually have lost anything. We would yeah. be exactly where we were. And the only thing we'd know is that whatever we do, we have to make sure the police don't find out about it. See, and this is the thing. I, I, yeah, I have to wonder if the guys were afraid to say something because what, what, what do they think they would lose? Because to me, the more tight lipped you are, the more you become someone that they're going to watch because they're, yes. you don't want to be an enemy on the radar. For what purpose does that serve? Not telling them, you know, so sometimes you had a question, but this is one of those cases. I, what I wanted to say about this was, in character, out of character, this was a moment where you guys were sitting in front of there and Calidus, you decided that you were going to, to tell about Rahid. And then they were like, okay, we need a moment to, to, to discuss. Are we going to say more? So that's where it went out of character slightly. And I, I was sitting there, when you guys did that, I, I debated. So is this something, you know, a person should allow in terms as, as a GM? Should you allow characters to go out of character to discuss something or, or maybe not even out of character, maybe in character say, excuse me, police officer, we need to discuss ourselves. And so yeah, I sit there and think about that. If you say discuss yourselves, how does the NPC look at that? Oh, what? The NP, yeah, the, the police would say, would look at that and say, yes, you can do that. And because they don't actually care at this point in time, they do care what your response is going to be. Mm. And if your response comes back to say, we won't tell you how our, our, our principle is that we're yeah. working for, they won't bat an eyelid because that would be perfectly normal. Yeah. But if you came back to them and withheld a whole lot of other information, then they are going to be very suspicious of what you do. And well, the response that we got in this situation is what I think you would get in normal life. We came back and said, we'll tell you everything you want to know, but we won't tell you who hired us. We got pumped for some more information. Yeah. We gave over, the, inf gave over yeah. the information and she didn't mind. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, if you guys are working as private eyes and stuff like that, I mean, that's fine. I mean, we're not uh, in this world. I, I haven't gone to the point of saying, Oh, private eyes, you need a license or any silly stuff like that. What, what for? Let's just keep the story moving along. But what, what I was getting at though was in character as you're going forward. If you, if you, you guys come to a situation where you get a, a question that you're not prepared for, should the GM allow you guys a moment to go out of character to discuss? Yeah, we're going to do this. Should it be okay in character? Excuse me, NPC. We're going to go over here and have a chat here, or should it really be in character? You guys uh, are are starting to think ahead and like, okay, when we do get to the police, what's our story going to be? You know, which which yeah. is the right thing to do in this in this scenario? And it happens all the time. You've got a, a bunch of players in normal life. If they were confronted by the police and they were all in the same car one of them would speak and the yeah. others would hope that the person who was doing the speaking would get it right. Yeah. And and so this, I think, becomes the setup that you do at the start, who speaks for us. And the question was asked, who had the highest charisma? Yeah. And that was very early on in the game. Yeah. And I think the response to that was, he speaks for us and you hope that you get away with it. He you doesn't know, say anything incredibly and, stupid. And, and to that end, you know, I, I, I was watching something else the other day, GM Tips on Geek and Sundry, 
And they were talking about, you know, if a player says something like this and describes something, who cares what their stats are? I mean, would you fail that and then basically kill the story or let it go? And I started thinking about that. Like, so if a player says, I want to do this, and it's just like this crazy idea, I mean, should I just, you know, say, okay, it happens. Why not? Or do I say you roll, roll for it and put a DC 15 on it. And so you fail and then possibly you die and then the story stops. So I was sitting there thinking about it when it comes down to NPC conversations and stuff like that. Does it matter? Should I be sitting there? Yeah, roll for that, roll for that, roll for that. I think there's places where you roll for that, but if the story is going along and it's going well. And, and we, and it's a role playing game and, yeah. and this would be one of those games where the rules are more of a guideline. And if yeah. you are going to be a rules junkie, then yes, you will roll for everything, but it, it, it will be boring. Well, there, there are, for me, I found there are occasions like when you guys would say something and I'd be like, Oh yeah, I can't let that happen. And at that point I'd be like deception, do a deception roll yeah. and do it at disadvantage because that's, that's so ludicrous. <laughs> yes. And that's exactly how it should be because you yeah. know, What's the argument for, you know, how do you argue against the ludicrous? I do this yeah. and you say it's ludicrous and you tell me it's disadvantage and I yeah. quote you the rules. I mean, yeah. that, that's not a game. That's not oh, a role-playing game. That's did. an argument about page 17 of the manual. Yeah, and there, there was a point when one of the players did with, with regard to finding, what was it? We were looking for something. He's like, oh, I think that's perception and not investigation. And I pushed for investigation. And at the end of the day, whatever. At this, it, I, yeah, I understand perception should be okay. Do you do you see something? But when you're in the room and at, at some point and you're looking for something specific, then at that point, I'm just like, yeah, okay. Then it becomes an investigation. You found this object. Is this object trapped? I don't think that that's perception at that point. At that point, I think it's investigation. So, and I know they went there, but if, they were really good in the sense of like, okay, if you want to go invest investigation, that was me. I was cheating. Well, I was using it, it, I was yeah. using a double proficiency. So well, the other, the, well, the other player was just like and he, was just he just said, I think it's perception as well. But you're the you're the GM, let it go. And and I, I was just like, well, that's good. I, I mean, I, I like that because, I mean, and, and again, again, you, don't need to be rule junkies about this. Let's there is a plot line and probably is rules around this, but let's keep the story going. And and isn't it interesting that when you see the successful podcasts on YouTube and places like that. That when the when the good ludicrous story gets argued, the DM allows it. Yeah. Despite the fact that and, and the audience always applauds that the DM's allowed something that's this really good, entertaining, ludicrous argument to, to yeah. occur. There are no rules junkies that are yeah. successful. And I mean, like when when the players start going and getting silly and stuff like this. I mean, a lot of that's fine uh, as as long as the story keeps moving forward. If they want to get really sil silly, but silly to the point of Oh, they do something really silly that's going to affect the NPCs. Well, then you rein it in a bit, but the NPCs can work along with that. And I try my best to, to, you know, uh, and improv and, and go and along. And if you go to the other game that we, we played and you and I both played as players in this game, there was one particular point where we were in a pub. We walked into the first pub. Someone dropped a funny line and that was it on for young and old. And there were yeah. four players who were got themselves on a pub crawl. And it took five, we got thrown out of five pubs before the DM actually reined us back in. It yeah. took him 30 minutes to get us back under control. Yeah, but it was, it was really interesting. In fact, we, 
we were doing a one shot there and it was with another GM and you, me and another guy were a player. And yeah, we just took it to town. And that other player, normally he was always super, super quiet. Yes. And this time he was totally in with us just, yeah. you know, being silly. Yeah. And so, I mean, th there's definitely a place for it. And there I know is. the GM was getting very frustrated. You could just he, tell. He was. You could hear the, you could hear the steam coming out of his ears. Yeah. Just because like, you it guys wasn't need to be over here, next. get over here. Yeah. So, yeah. And but, that's, yes, when you have to tell them to go somewhere, that's just, that you know. But that's, that I think that's just it. Like, if, if the players are doing that, like, yes, as a GM, you want the story to go here. But you need to be able to give the players the ability to do what they want to do. It's pace. It's about, it's like, it's theatre. It has yeah. to keep rolling along and, and. Yes, in that particular scenario, we did actually keep moving along. And if you, if when you go back to that one shot, we actually moved it along. Yeah, because, because we, we didn't decided keep going we, silly in the town. Yeah, we kept we, doing the silliness as we went along. Yeah, I, the GM. We knew that the GM wanted to get there, but the GM wasn't able to. Uh, he he wanted to rein us in instead of work with to us drive to keep us there rather than give us the incentive. Yeah, well, give us the incentive, and I think that's a, a, a really interesting trick is. How do you, so you might have some, as a GM, some encounters ready. Who knows what occasion it happens. An encounter happens, but you do know that at some point you need the players to get to, to be because mm. there's a story that needs to be told. And instead of going towards B, they went off in a different direction. Allow for that to happen, but you've got to still be imaginative enough that, that you know, whatever happens in that, that branch that it still brings you back to that story. So for me, you had to find Rahid. Rahid was what started this story out. And finding, encountering the Tuscali was, I mean, it was an important plot point because it lets you know that, yes, the Tuscali invasion is still happening. So this added some reality to it. I myself was not prepared at all for you guys to say, well, let's go and take this to the city watch. And I was just like, crap, okay, session over. Uh, I need to think about this one. So... But there was also, if you, if you go back to the previous session, we did have the branch. We had the branch be between Rahid and Hakan, where, yeah. where we had to pick one or the other. And we had picked that we are going to Rahid. And no matter what you did with the two Daryls, we weren't going to go and see Hakan. No, but this is the thing, though. For, for me, Hakan was part of the story about finding Rahid. So, yes. so he's, he's an element in that story. The Tuscali were a completely separate element in a much, much larger story. So... For me, it became, okay, you guys have found the Tuscali. You're taking them to the City Watch, but I do need to get you guys think about how to get you back on the course of Rahid. And for me, the way I did that was, okay, so why were you guys going over there? Why were you in the hunt? So that, that was it. The, 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 the master detective asked you about the why, which all of a sudden brought the point back to, okay, well, we were out looking for Rahid. So it was my, my way of trying to remind the situation so that you get back to the main plot. So... Allow the divergence, but you got to be able to be improv enough to figure out how do I get it back? How do I get it back? And I guess, and one way of doing that is to actually not give anything else. There are no well, that, other bits that, that you can have so that until, that's, until that's, the players that, resolve the issues they've got sitting in front of them. But that reigns it, reigns it in. And I, and I guess that's a question as a GM because with the other group, they were, they were, I threw a lot of things at them, information from left, right, center, above, bottom, and they were flooded with information. And they very clearly weren't able to deal with that information. So they... Yes. And so, but to me, all of those threads were going to lead them in one direction, one way or another. Didn't matter which one they followed. It was going to take you somewhere. 
So for me, but it's interesting. This lot, the, the the current group were focused. They took the the one job. They have been able to prioritize what it is yeah. that they're going to do. Yeah. Um, they are going to find the gem. That's the the number one thing, and that's the thing they keep coming well, back to. It, it was the other group could not prioritize anything. I, I had no idea though that you guys were going to do it. Like I, I thought, I, I remember thinking, okay, you brought the Tuscali here. I need to. What is this motivation? Because Mehmet's going to be separate from the situation. What is this character going to be? What's going to be important to them? And I, I, I remember thinking, okay. What do I need to do to bring this the story back in to get you guys back on hunting for the gem? And so, you know, it, to me, it was just coincidence that, that you know, got to the point where, oh, yeah, I should ask them about what, what made you guys go there. And that brought it back. And then all of a sudden you guys were thinking about that again. And then again, you took it to another place because I didn't know what you guys were going to decide. But you guys talked and talked and talked and talked. And eventually, like, you made a decision that you guys were going to go to Hakan's. And I thought that was very interesting because... Well, you did have enough information that you didn't need to, but Harkans wasn't a decision made on. It was a, that was a geographic decision. We had to walk past it anyway to get well, to Rahid's no, place. Well, no, no, you, you guys didn't know where Harkans were. You guys decided that you were going to go back to the original cafe and start to talk but to we people. Found, yeah, we yeah. found out because someone told us where yeah. Harkans place, and then it was we have to walk past Harkans to get to. Well, Rahid's. and, and that, that player was he was brilliant because he went and he. He said, okay, I want, I'm going to go up to someone and basically say, I need to buy a camel. So where's the camel dealer, Hakan? I want to buy a camel. And I was just like, brilliant. Yep. And so I was like, oh, yeah, he tells you he lives just right here. And, and all of a sudden on the map, I just turned the pin green, and then now you knew exactly where he was. And so you guys, I mean, you collected a bit of extra information there, right? gossiping with the people. They remembered who you were. I mean, it was only – an hour ago, really, that you guys passed through. So they're still more open. And then you guys decided you're going to go to Hakan's place. And and it was it was interesting, too, because you're getting there, you're approaching up the street, and you're like, is there a back alley? And I was like, what are these guys planning to do? So, yeah, it's like, all right, well, the houses are side by side, but, yeah, there's still a back alley. And, I mean, I didn't even think about back alleys. All right, I mean, that makes sense, well, I guess. Sure, back alley. So you guys get there, and of course, what do the two rogues want to do? They want to break in. Break in, don't they? And I was sitting there thinking, oh, Lord, this that doesn't sound like a smart idea. Because I was thinking, all right, from my point of view, do I make the NPC home or not? And I was just like, oh, God, breaking in doesn't make a lot of sense. But thankfully, again, one of the other players was just like piped up. And I was so happy to hear that some of the guys are not just letting – because the rogues are, are fairly vocal. One yeah. rogue is One of quite those. vocal. Yeah. And so he's like, well, I, I want to break it in. I want to try my skill at breaking it in. And the other rogue was like, yeah, that's a good idea. And I was so happy that at least one of the other players was like, that doesn't seem like a smart idea. And I was just like, yes. It was. And, part of, and, and one of the issues is going to be to keep the two rogues under control. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's interesting. You know, when you play the rogue character, I mean – a lot of people say that the, the rogue characters is a little bit unbalanced because they're very, very powerful in terms of all the skills that they are allowed to have and things like this. And that aside, the thing is, is is the rogue a Robin Hood or are they one who is going to be, yeah, yeah, let's go and, you know, break in here. But a successful rogue isn't, they don't do that. A successful rogue will not just walk up to a house and go, I'll break in. Yeah. They, they, they're not stupid. 
And I think that, that one of the issues that we have with our, our two rogues is that they may be too gung-ho in thinking that what rogues do yeah. is to break in and steal everything they can find all the time, when in yeah. fact they don't do that. They yeah. steal the things that are either opportunities to steal, they steal the things that they know they have to go and steal, well, they and, break into what they and, have and, to break and that's into. Just it. I think sometimes players get so excited, they're like, oh, I'm a thief, I want to try pick, picking a pocket. And for me, I'm just like, why would you do that unless there is a very good win for you? Yeah. So for me, if you decide to go and pick an NPC's pocket in the street just for what? Because hopefully he's got some cash. To me, I mean, I would roll for that because to me, there should be an element of, well, that was just dumb. You just got yourself on the, the city watches list. And I, I just think if you're going to do stuff, use your skills. To, to me, this was something that I set up in session zero where I, I was really like, you guys are a group. You're friends and you are working towards a common goal. That's got to be what you guys remember yep. and not let yourself get so excited about playing your character or playing the rogue and do roguish things that you do stupid things and then you derail the, the story. And I mean, I personally think there has to be consequences. And so if you are going to do stupid things, I mean, to me, there should be a line where the stupid thing you do is fun, but can keep the story going on and not it's fun and derails the story because from the NPC point of view, you've just gone and robbed someone's house for what reason? Yeah. Now, if I introduced, you know, the thieves guild <clears throat> and the thieves guild specifically wanted you to do rob a house because whatever, and there was some, you know, thinking about that and you're like, okay, let's go along that way because perhaps that will take the story somewhere. Okay, but when it's yeah. when I haven't introduced any elements at all, and just I'm going to go in and I'm going to break into that temple and I'm going to steal whatever chalices they have. Where does that do anything for the story other than all of a sudden make the characters and the players, the group, become yeah, but, the but, evil but, guys? And, and then, the other players, I mean, do they want to be involved or do they let themselves get dragged along? And I think it's so so important. Then and that's why I was so happy that that other player spoke up. Because it's just like, oh, are you guys going to drag yourselves into this point? Because now I understand we're breaking into Hakan's house because clearly Hakan is an element in the story. But to what end? You don't know who Hakan is. You don't know what he wants. All you know is he knows about your guys' so-called mission. Mm -hmm. And the only other thing you know is that there's two kobolds named Daryl who you found out and figured out, well... You knew that the <clears throat> dragon dragon folk are slaves in the city. So it was pretty clear that these would be slaves. But they didn't seem like irregular slaves. So that's all you knew. And we gained. We gained from not breaking into his house. We didn't get arrested, so that was a plus. Yep. We got paid to go and see him. He actually parted with money. Yeah, no, that was <laughs> funny because you guys went in there and you had an agreement from... You, you told Daryl, go back and tell Hakan that I want a gold piece each. And I just thought it would be funny if if Daryl didn't get the message right. And so instead of giving you one gold piece each, Hakan just gave one gold. And you guys are like, wait a minute, that wasn't the agreement. And I was just like, what do you mean? That's I, I heard your message from. And I, I do like the way that that, that Daryl then copped a really savage look from Hakan yeah. about like, what have you stuffed up here? But by the same token. When the guys came back and said, you know, well, if you want us to do another quest, thanks very much, and we'll have two Daryls to go. Yeah, that was... And that was, that, that that was, was just a 
brilliant move, I thought. Yeah, and so and this was one of those cases where I was like, okay, this was silly but funny. And this was a case where I was like, okay, you got to roll for it. And so I made all of you roll for it because I was just like, one guy might get it. But if three of five have to get it, there's a better chance that this is going to fail. Two 20s and like a 22. And I was just like, oh, cripes. And and when you look at that from the whole context, you know, the whole story point of view, I mean, to have two Daryls to go along with you is entertaining. But these two guys are complete scatterbrains. Yes. So, so the issue with that is that from a, a, a DM point of view, managing the extra two Daryls is okay. But when it gets too hard, you can just say, and they run off and that's the end of it. Well, I, I was actually even thinking that, you know, why not make it such that, okay, if you, if things work out as planned, you get two Daryls, two of the four Daryls that are slaves to Hakan and have been mm-hmm. slaves since birth. Um, maybe you guys just run those NPCs yourself and just see how it goes. Because as far as I'm concerned, yeah. I mean, it's, it'd be interesting for you to play another, like a hireling type character, but trying to play that in character. And then I can, you know, where are you going to take it and how far are you going to take it? Are you going to throw them under the bus? Who knows? Yeah. I, I don't know. And it, it would be entertaining because, I mean, you could have the two Daryls are, are scatterbrains and in combat, they will be next to useless, but... They could also be great at drawing fire and they could be entertaining in combat. And there are some wonderful things you could yeah. do with it. Well, I, I've already, like, when I, when you guys did that and then the two natural 20s and the, and the 22, and I was sitting there going, oh, how am I going to spin this now? Because clearly he's now convinced. So convinced of, and I was thinking, convinced of what? And so then I had to think of, okay, how does he agree to this? Because he's going to have to agree because, you know, I let the roles happen and <laughs> yeah. the roles were exceptionally good. So he's convinced of this, but you know, to what extent? And but so, there's still also the massive hurdle. And that is that we are going to give the gem back to. Uh, oh yeah. So yeah, that, <laughs> what was the agreement? The agreement was that. So Hakan said, he told you that Mr. Santa was a liar and that she doesn't have the money, but he will pay you for it. And you guys, I think, what did you guys figure out? You figured out something there. We figured out that. Well, first of all, we went down the path of we are credible and reliable and trustworthy. We make a deal. We stick to it. So we will give her the gem and she will give us the 100, despite the fact that Akan has offered us 200. But once we have given her the gem, we are more than happy for two barrels and 200 gold to go and steal it from her. But you guys, you guys learned something, though, too, about... We learned that she didn't own the gem. We learned yeah. that it was found in the river. Yep. And we learned that Rahid found it, but we didn't find out what it did. Did you guys also learn why Hakan wanted it and not giving? We did. We found out that Hakan wanted. Well, he said that he wanted it, and he wanted it simply because she wanted it. Now, yeah, right. Good. Hakan at no point in time has come across it being particularly uh, nice or trustworthy. He does live but, in a nice house, and he lives in a nice area of the of the wharf district. It does mean that he gets to steal money from the poor people. Yes. Or he's very good at selling camels. Yeah, he's very good at selling camels. That's that's all you guys know. But yeah. so you found found you found that. And what else did you guys? What else did he tell you guys? So he agreed to have you guys try to sell it to Mister Senna on the contract that you guys would then go and steal it back from her, yes. and he would then pay you for that. Yes. But what else did, did he teach? And you he guys? just no. He just told us that the reason that we wanted it was because he wanted it because she wanted it. And and, and then with regard to Rahid, what did you guys learn? Well, we, that he found it in the in, in the river. No, but he told you 
He told you oh, where Rahid lived. Yeah. And what else Rahid, did he tell you? He was hanging out with a washerwoman. Yeah, one of the laundry rooms. So, one one of laundry his, room. so yeah. he had a girlfriend that was a laundry room. And then, so from there, you guys, he gave you that information. And then almost immediately, yeah. you guys went to Rahid's place. To Rahid's so you, place. You rented we, uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, a river a river coach and, and off you went. And I was really happy with this because it moved quick. You guys, it didn't take long from meeting Nynaeve, the, 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 the detective sergeant, then going and eventually getting to Hakan's fairly quickly, got the Hakan's, you got some good information, good questions were asked, and then you guys were off. And I thought, well, this session's moving along really well. Indeed. And all of a sudden, now you guys are at Rahid's place. We still had at least an hour uh, and a half left on the clock before our session was ended. So yeah, then all of a sudden now you're at Rahid's place. And what happened when you guys got there? Well, <clears throat> Rahid wasn't home. Um, interesting, and but we did the right thing. We utilised our rogues to to sneak up and see if there was anyone there. That work went well. Our our fighting barbarian fell over himself a few times, and that would have woken up everybody in the district. Um, and then we had a, a bit of a look around, and we found a few bits and pieces. Yeah, hidden. The wizard who was reluctant to there was a, a, a wharf there that had holes in it and was falling apart, and of course the the nimble and the agile people climbed all over the walk without doing any damage whatsoever, and the wizard stuck his foot straight through the thing, nearly uh, fell over, and nearly fell over the edge, and then stuck his head down through a hole, and a giant snake came out. Yep. So clearly, don't let your wizards go running amok; they're just danger to, to tourist groups. So, what else did you guys find when you when you guys and got then, there? Uh, we popped out the the snake, which was rather easy. We thought that would be a disaster. We found a cache of goodies. Which included a an idol or a statue. Here's here's and, here's one of those areas where, to me, as it's so interesting to hear the player's point of view compared to my point of view. Because to me, the interesting element there was that when you got down and you found out where you met the giant snake, there's a bunch of dead bodies. To me, that was the interesting element. And yet, your interesting element is well, we counted the snake, we found some goodies, but the dead bodies. The dead bodies were slashed and inconsequential. They were dead. And we have no idea what slashed them. I'm, I'm assuming. And the, and we did look and we did ask the question, you know, yeah. do we know how they died? No. Do we know what it was? No. There was no investigation that, that revealed. No, you, you did. You guys did. You guys had some really good medicine checks and you're good with the medicine skill. So you learned that and or were quite certain that the, they were slashed. They were killed by slashing. And that it was either a scimitar or, or short sword. Yeah. That much you were able to tell. Yeah. But other than that, it didn't, didn't, who did it? Yeah. Why no, like don't you, yeah. you aren't able to tell that yet? No, no we've got that piece of information. We found a, a black piece of coal lying around yeah. on a floor that's got yep. some hieroglyphics written on it. Yep. And 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 now we have an out of character moment because you sent me a message to say what did I do with it? And I said I stuck it in my pocket. Clearly, there is something going to happen there. <laughs> uh, my my plan, my original plan, I've now got two items that I'm carting around. One is a statue and the other one's a, a lump of coal. My natural reaction would have been, of course, to knowing that the Tuscali were after an idol, sit down and examine the, the statue to see if that what it was. GPS signal lost. Oi, Google, GPS signal lost? I don't have time for this. Let's continue. I ha you have to ask the question too, you know, at the end of the day, when, or, or maybe I should put it this way. 
when you hear the word statue and you hear the word idol, does that in your head, does that come out to be the same thing? Because I guess, you know, it does to me, but I'm Australian and no, we do strange things. I mean, I would have to say this probably would become the same thing as well. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, if I found a statue as a player, I mean, I would almost immediately think idol as well. Yeah. Mm. So, of course, now, now, um, and this is the what I, I mean, and to me, I guess, I'm blowing my own horn here, but it's about good playing. And, and good playing says that that's a scalier after a statuette, therefore, I'll examine first and the lump of coal will sit in my pocket. The fact that you've asked me where is the lump of coal means that it's clearly sticking it in my pocket means I'm going to go sterile or one of my legs, <laughs> is, going to, of my legs is going to fall off. So we will find that next week I will take the statue and examine the statue, probably to my detriment. So uh, we'll see how that goes. The tuning's the tuning. So. Yeah. And, and you can only attune to one item at one time. So we'll start with the statue and then we'll go into the piece of coal. But the other issue about this too is that we haven't found Rahid. He may not come back next time round, which is an issue we have to deal with. What do you do? How long do you sit there? Is attuning to the idol or attuning to the yeah, lump I, of coal I, I, even I, important in the grand scheme of things? Because I would look at this and say, as a, as a as a wizard, I look at that and I go, well, I'll attune. We need the gem. That's what we're after. And these other things can wait. So I'm not going to spend well, my time attuning to something. And I thought, I mean, and this is the thing, is you have to take a short rest to attune to something unless yeah. you've got an identify spell or you can pay someone to identify it. Yep. I mean, so th- that means time and to, that you need two hours to attune. And this was the interesting thing. You, you know that time have- is an element because as you were leaving Hakan's house, he was just like, remember, you know, he is a thief and he wants to fence this thing. So, I mean, you don't have that much time to find this guy. Yeah, so there's no time. And I, and I, I will be – and I've, I've taken the second last watch deliberately because my rest will occur before my watch. And then in the last watch, which will be done by someone else, that is a time that I can use to attune to the idol. I may not have enough time. Well, you can't to – you've got to remember, you can't – if you're on watch – and you are attuning, you're not on no, watch. No, no, I'm not on watch. This is after I come off watch uh-huh. and before the last watch person, while the last watch person is doing their yeah. last watch, I will do my attuning then. But it may not be enough time. It could be too short to actually attune no, to the actually, item. That, that's actually an interesting point that I've never checked up on because a long rest is supposed to be eight hours. Eight hours where you are you sleeping, know, sleeping or, or as the elves, they go into a trance. So, I mean, if, if, you, if you're breaking that rest... To do a watch, does that mean you still get a long rest? Actually, I never. Yeah, I should check that out. I don't so know. I'm actually manipulating the, the that. I mean, maybe, maybe that's. I'm, I'm making the argument. I never, I never thought, but I mean, why not? And but still, the, here's the thing that I it's, thought it's it was short, interesting. Two short rests make a long rest, almost, isn't it? No, a short rest is just an hour. No, but that's what I'm saying. Uh, just, yeah. But you know, but when you're attuning, so it, uh, that you say you take a short, you're, you need to take a short rest to attune doesn't mean you're going to take a short rest. Like short rest means Not. if you've got a healing <clears throat> kit, you can roll a, a hit dice yeah. to recover. But if you're attuning, you can't. You're attuning, that's it. Yeah. But so, so, I thought it was so interesting. This is going to be interesting to see how that, that pans out and whether I discover what the idol is and whether or whether the team decide that, you know, first up Rahid could come back, in which case everything goes out the window. And the, the next thing that comes up is they may turn around and decide they're not going to sit there. We will not allow the time to attune to these items. There's mm. nothing significant about these mm. items. So the strategy comes into play. And, and the other thing for me that I thought was really interesting was that you guys decided that you're going to set up camp in that rundown house instead of returning to, say, the, your your home, which is one of the refugee tents. And I thought, why would you guys do that? And I understood that, well, the wizard 
he has to have a long rest in order to get his spells back. So, I mean, I understood that. But and but I, I thought, ah, you know, but then, you know, after you think about it, and at the time as a GM, I'm thinking, oh, that seems kind of strange why you would do that. But, you know, it also then gives me opportunity to say, okay, that you are in a non-familiar place. How can I, or what can I do with that? Not meaning, I mean, I could do something silly or I could do something, you know, uh, story related. So it, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, this is where, you know, the GM, you kind of do got to think a little bit on your toes sometimes. Well, and from that point of view, it's, it would take way too long to go back to the refugee camp and then come back to Rahit's house. We're out there in, in the beginning of the night. We have a bear trap set up in the front door and we have someone on watch. So from a, if he comes back at night, yep. there's a fairly good probability that he is going to stick his leg in a bear trap. So that's a plus. And we will nail him, even though we are inside the room. So, so from an ambush point of view, we're looking pretty good. And yeah, it still, it, it's, it's really interesting too, watching what you guys do because, you know, there was the wharf and underneath the wharf was another wharf that was in better condition. And that's where all the dead bodies were. And then there's this broken down building on top and you're like, well, what is his home? You know, where do we go? And uh, the building seemed like just a, an opportune place to be. Yeah. So that, that worked out well. And I was, I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy you guys decided to do what you did because now it, it does give me uh, extra rain to think of some other things. So I thought and there are, really and there are issues with this. If he comes back in the middle of the night, then the long rest won't apply because it'll be cut short. So we're all going to wake up in a horrible state. If he, if he senses that we're there and goes off somewhere else, then we'll be sitting there the next day going, what do we do? And, and from an ambush point of view, it's great while you sit there for the first eight hours until the sun comes up and then you go, hang on a minute, he's not come back. Yeah. If he doesn't show up, do we stay or do we go? And it would be a fairly boring session if we sat there for an hour, for a couple of hours uh, on, a, on a Thursday going, well, we're just going to sit here and we're just going to sit here and we just wait and wait and wait and DM just keeps saying, nothing happens, nothing happens, or, or nothing happens. The other interesting bit of information that Hakan gave you was he told you very specifically that Rahid's a wear-wrapped. And so you got this information, and then the very first thing the rogue said, we need silver weapons. Yes. And I don't, I can't remember if it was the barbarian or the the other, uh, the warlock. Someone said you can't afford it. Well, I, 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 did they say that? Because I just yes. remember them saying... Ah, oh, we don't need it. We can, we can do other stuff. And the rogues were like, was, what? Yes. I but that was, this. was, I think it was the barbarian was saying, um, we don't need that. Yeah. And you can't afford it. And yep. you've got two rogues saying, yes, we do. Otherwise we'll get crucified. Well, and both of them are right. We, we cannot afford it. We don't have enough money to buy them if we wanted to. And this, this was the interesting thing too, is because this is, we talked about this before about metagaming. And here was, was an exact situation of where, was it metagaming? And, mm, and in the session, I was like, no, it was fine. I mean, it would be common knowledge that silver affects a wear creature, but how it affects the creature, you don't know. And, and you can't know that. And it, knowing and, that then becomes metagaming. And it would have been common knowledge that they are expensive. Yes, it would be uh, common and knowledge. And given that we've been living for six months in a tent and we know that the only money we have is the money that we found or the pathetic amount that we started with, Although one of the rogues did say that they had a lot more money than we knew about. And I thought that was a bit, uh, okay, fine. We'll see how that goes. See yeah. How that, see how that pans out. It's interesting when we get, where he thinks that yeah. magically coming in. But that, that reminds me too, like, you know, it's a tie into the other group where you guys did get focused on, we need silvered weapons, we need silvered weapons. And I just thought, 
well, there's two types of silvered weapons you can get. And you guys got your hands on the, the, the crappy one. Yeah. And then you started using it and the silver started falling off of it. Yeah. I thought that was, that was fun. Cause I, I figured that, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting element. You know, I want to buy a silvered weapon. And his guy was like, yeah, okay, give me the silver. And he just melts it down and coats your, your sword. And is it silver? Yeah. But is it going to, is it <laughs> how effective is it going to be? Yeah. But that was all in all, I was very happy with that session. I thought there was a lot of good player conversation going on. I, I found that I, I didn't have to be preaching to the players all the time, uh, which is good. And I know the players are, are, are clearly getting into the groove. But I was really happy that I, one guy, well, two guys are, are still fairly quiet, but three of yeah. them are like Calidus yourself, fairly vocal. Elbrum, the warlock, he's not as vocal, but he's pretty vocal. And, and the, Morden, the, the rogue, who is also fairly vocal. Yeah. Ventus, the other rogue, and and Asher, the barbarian, not not so vocal yet, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting the feeling that like I like the fact that you guys piped up and were saying, no, no, let's not go into Hakans. Let's not break in. That doesn't seem and, like a good idea. And that was where Asher kicked in. Asher kicked in on the... Oh, he did. A- Asher keeps kicking in on the restraint side. Yeah. You know, of the lot, you know, you can't afford it. Yeah. And and it's good. I mean, I think, yes, you guys are all new and you're learning stuff, but the, the, I think it's one of the important points here is for me is, is also to make sure. And, and I think I got to get better at being able to say, you know, hey, Asher, or hey, Ventus, did you guys want to pipe in anything you guys had to say at this point? Because you don't want it to become a Calidus show or an Elbrum show no. or, or a Mordoran show because then everybody else feels it's not fair. And that's for me, I've got to get always improve on making sure that everybody gets involved and their voices all. And the challenge out. to that is how do you do that without, yeah. without pushing them to. Yeah, and, to and, I mean, and, and keeping the story flowing. Yeah. But. That does bring I, us now. I, I get the impression that those two are quite happy running with this story as it's going. Yeah. And when they speak, it is it, it is in terms of we are speaking, you will listen to what we say. Mm. And they don't say a lot, but when they say it, it's it's it's, it's mm. fairly yeah. emphatic. This yeah. is, this is yeah. what I think. Yeah. Yeah. They, they do pipe when they do pipe up. It's usually because they do have something to you know. say. So I. I I, I, from that, perhaps I, I might consider thinking that maybe they are, um, not so in character, playing in character where they're really role playing it up. But they do, you know, when they do have that opportunity to speak and because it's important, they do say that what they, what they think is important. And, you know, they just and, and have maybe to the quite way, embrace and the maybe role the playing. Way, just, and yeah. maybe the role playing component of that is that they say that and then you embellish that. Mm. To say that, you know, he draws himself up to his full height and looks threateningly at the rest of the group and says, this is what I think. Yeah. Um, and that, and, and so yeah, maybe yeah, by doing that, that's, that's what you want to do is, is you want to really yeah. allow them to open up and the and warlock sits roll, there rubbing right? his fingers together and sparks fly off. And yeah. yes. And then we come to the other game. Yeah. Then the other game, no, that was interesting because that, that one was, uh, man, it just felt completely apart. So this was where, you know, talking about the other group and used to making fun of them in terms of how things can go wrong and, you know, wanting to figure out a way on how we're going to deal with that particular group. And at the end of the day, uh, things couldn't have gone more wrong. Uh, two of the players just ended up bumping heads so, so badly. And I, 
And, there was a large and, confrontation. And, and, I really wanted. And it I, wasn't I, over gameplay. It was over it was interface over, usage. Yes, it's over interface usage instead of actually the gameplay. I mean, very clearly they were upset about the whole who gets the loot business, which is an important part. And and being able to discuss who gets the loot is is I think uh, something the players should have an in character conversation about. But at the same time, you know, I mean, a GM does need to step in when things get uh, nasty. And in this particular case, there was an extremely large encounter. And uh, uh, Matt Colville did a a session about players, when they're in a large encounter, they want to be heroes. And even though you know that the numbers are against them, they're still going to want to be heroes and it's going to go south, south. And I remember listening to that and I was sitting there thinking, in this, I've got a very specific narrative that I wanted to get to. And I started it out going turn by turn, through the regular rounds to get to that point. And it was really drawing out because there was like 30 of them and only five of you. And so it was just taking forever to get through these rounds. I wanted to get to this point where this big reveal happened. And so I was like, let's just rush through the next 10 rounds, assuming that they would do what they're constantly doing for, because we, we did three rounds. Yes. And I just assumed they would continue to do that. But then they're like, no, no, we can't rush through the 10 rounds because that guy is killing our friend and I'm not going to let him kill our friends, even though there's overwhelming odds. And I was just like, Oh my God, if you guys are going to start an actual fight here, I mean, I, I may try to make a very specific point of that. The NPCs that you guys were involved with were very, very restrained. They intention was to hold you guys back. I, I didn't want them to be aggressive. And then it became the point of, well, within the interface, I mean, if they're restraining us, they should be considered hostile and not neutral and blah, 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 blah. But because- even the bloke that was being held down and poisoned and was the one that was being hurt said, let it go, guys. It's okay. They're not trying to kill us. Yeah. And that had no impact whatsoever. Well, no impact. And, and I mean, there's this, because <clears throat> the way I introduced it was a mummy come out of nowhere. This was the mummy that you guys thought you, you had, had uh, killed uh, earlier. And, and one character, the, 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 the Jenny, who everybody loved to hate and throw under the bus, she actually saw the writing on the wall. She's seen when all of a sudden this mummy came up, she's like, oh, my God, we didn't kill the right guy. This is all like a, a, a double, whatever you call it, double standard, double, that it was a, a hoax within a hoax within a hoax. And I was just like, wow, Jenny got it. And I was really, I was really proud of her for figuring it out. But then it was fairly, this, it was fairly it was, blatantly obvious. I mean, but it was that, still, that was it. But what she what she didn't see was that the other two two of the other NPCs were clearly not on on the mummy's side, which yeah. I thought. I mean, you could see that one coming a mile away too. That, that was yeah the obvious, and and that was obviously going to be. When you see all of those little signs coming up, you know that you are not going to die uh, at the hands of the mummy or of the other NPCs. And don't get in a fight and hold back and yeah. just let it unravel. Well, right. and, and unfortunately, but I wouldn't. This this is the thing. I I actually do agree with the one player who was saying, you know, you probably should have done this all theater of mind. <clears throat> and I think actually looking back at it, I, I, he was right in that sense because if I did it theater of the mind wise, there wouldn't have been all of this these three very slow rounds looking at things and trying to think of tactics. And it probably, I mean, I, I just see it happening more fluid. And, and being able to be like, okay, rectal yourself is is currently wrapped up and restrained and grappled by a scorpion cultist and 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 as well as this this big chief mummy, 
and slowly being drained of life. And they're like, oh my God, oh my God. And you guys are all restrained. You can't do anything. You're all being held back. And then all of a sudden, the other two NPCs who were there witnessing this through the big crowd, they're there and they're, they're following their own business. And all of a sudden, after so much time, boom, the big reveal happens and everybody survives. And that never happened. Things went really south. And I, then- I would argue that that, that that while you think you should have done that, mm. it wouldn't have worked anyway. The, yeah, the I, amount of the amount of the amount of uproar at the mm. thought of them missing ten rounds, right, would meant yeah. would have meant that you would never but, you would so, never they would the same thing would have happened if you'd said I'm going to hold my line and do the ten rounds. They yeah, would have, they, they would have just spat the dummy and walked away like except, they did. They except, would have yelled at you rather than yelling at each other. And, and I think the only difference would have been was that I wouldn't have used the interface and I wouldn't even have gotten into this is the these are rounds that are occurring. I, I would have kept it away from rolling dice and would have been this is just a narrative that you guys need to listen to. And then the narrative well, goes yeah, like this. I, this guy comes out of nowhere. He blah, blah, blah. And so instead of you guys getting a chance to move tokens around on the map and think tactics and Et cetera, et cetera, you et would have got the argument from Jenny that she didn't get to move. Yeah, it, most likely, yes. And, most and, likely, and it, yes. And the longer it went on, the louder she would have gone. Yeah. But um, still, at the end of the day, things blew up. And, you know, one character, Jenny's character, you know, was saying this. And, and then Domino's character was saying this. And things just went completely south and got aggressive. And then Domino was just like, oh, it's the game. The game is at fault. And yes. I mean, that... I mean, to me, saying the game is a way of saying, well, it's your fault, but not really wanting to say it's your fault. Blame well, the I think game the, argument, the argument that, the, that the, the game was too complex. Yeah, I said it was too complex. And I was just like, the, clearly my, the thing I learned from that is that some people just like to play D&D for the fighting. Yeah, And, and I realized that now uh, with the majority that were in that group, should have stuck with the hack and slash and they would have been happy and things never would have gotten this way because very clearly I I do know that Jenny's player and Dominus player, they would be bumping heads, but they would never bump heads to this extent unless it was a story that they actually cared about. So they were absolutely clearly they were invested in the story, but not to the point of investing in. Okay. I mean, they wanted to know where it was going, but they weren't investing in enough to actually pay attention to who are these NPCs. But doesn't and that's why to, that's why it was complex for them is because oh, I can never keep straight which NPC well you're not taking notes. But does a hack and slash have a story? Not really. I mean not I mean at the end of the day it's just you know point them here, there's some goblins, go kill them and oh look I've got a plus one armor. You know, my character's now more powerful so that I can instead let's go hack and slash a dragon next. And 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 the other side of that story is that if you ran a hack and slash that they lost at, yeah, what would they do? I, I don't know. I mean, hopefully they, they'd be, oh, that was a fun hack and slash. My character died. Let's roll up another one. And but, that's, well, and that's what they would do. They would do exactly yeah, that. And, and there's no from a from a player point of view, yeah. uh, and from a DM point of view, you've got to look at that and say, well, where's the interest in that? Where's well, the excitement? I where's think- the this, Where, where's the twist in that? And we've had, we've had, we've done two rounds with the, the American group, I'll call it. And every time there are a couple of twists that get thrown each time. Yeah. And that adds interest to it. Well, you see, and, and here's the thing that I, I, I think I realized from this is that 
you do got to kind of understand and, and start to see where where that is. Now, I I did put out session zero, session zero notes saying this is what I want the game I wanted to run. I probably should have reiterated that a few times to say this is a narrative game. I, I myself I want to be a GM in a narrative based thing because I mean at the end of the day, if you want to do hack and slash, you can go back. I mean, this is going back to some of the older GM styles where with virtual tabletops you can remove the mathematical element from it. A lot fantasy grounds allows you to automate a lot of stuff so that at the end of the day you can really focus on the story and but if you're not really wanting to focus on the story and you just want to do i want to roll up a character sheet because i enjoy rolling up character sheets and then i want to make that character powerful through fights okay now i realize now that's not for me i'm not that style of gm and if people want to play that you know well that that won't be me so i i much much prefer there's a story involved here and you guys got to figure stuff out and you got to go over here, talk to them, go over here, talk to them. Yeah. Okay. And if you start killing this person and killing this person, it completely changes. So all of a sudden you walk into the town instead of people cheering for you, they're like, Oh, be careful about those guys. They might kill us. And isn't that when you look at the YouTube videos, it, it is, there's hack and slash in it and there's always a twist. Right yeah. at the end, they throw out something that's entertaining, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. So the aim is not to, you know, they don't let you, the DM doesn't let you die. He does give you a challenge. And, well, and, and, he, th- and he throws things out there for you to, to look at and, and do. Although, yeah, I, I do note that uh, some people have been killed off in YouTube videos. Yeah, I mean, it, it does happen. And I, 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 like I mentioned, the Rudy Rittenberg and Satine Phoenix, and you do notice that some of those characters... Yeah, they die and they get replaced by other players who, I mean, it's, it's a popular YouTube channel. So, uh, they're able to find yeah. other voice actors that, that are Come willing to play it. and go in. Uh, it's not quite what we ha- have going here, but the thing is, is whether we're talking the new session or the old session, I did make a point of always having an encounter where there's possibility of fighting and yeah. you could fight or you could find another way around it. And to me, because I reward XP on a milestone basis, either way, whether you fight or you don't fight, you will still advance toward, uh, you know, reaching the next levels. So, you know, I'm not going to detract a person. So, for example, if you play just on, I get ex- experience points from fighting. So, to me, I'm just like, yeah, okay. But if you don't fight, I mean, and because you found another way through it, you know, you still receive experience points because at the end of the day, what is it that you're achieving by getting to the next level? Do you have to fight to get to the next level? Like when you're new, learning a new spell, mm. is it because of fighting that you learn that new spell? Or is it just because of if you're a sorcerer, it's just like you access, you know, through exposure and stuff, you just access new parts to you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. In this particular scenario though, if we look at that, because there's the argument, do you have two ways of doing this? If, if, the, if, if we take the option of fighting, then we will be killing Hakan and killing Rahid. Yeah. Neither of which will find us the jewel. Like, if yeah, you, I mean, that, there's a, there's, there's, there's a case of goodies held under, under the dock. If we'd never gone down there, we would never have found them. We could have spent the next um, 37 years wandering around trying to find a gem yeah. that was hidden and will stay hidden because the person that knows where it is is dead. Or, or, or when, in the other group, when you guys finally did, you learned that Hakan and Henna were about to meet and, and bump heads. Yes. And so when you went and you watched and observed, in the end, you guys decided you weren't going to take a side, but you shot at both of them. Now, 
the consequences of that never happened because now the group has fallen apart and we're done with that group. Yes. So there will be no more there. But at the end, you never did find out, well, what was the consequence? Now, both of them survived and they both took off running. What would be the consequence? For me, there's definitely a consequence. And I, I was working out how to implement the consequence into that storyline. So to me, that, that's, that's important. If, if you are in a fight and, uh, I mean, a lot of, a lot of modules, they always say, if this NPC is in a fight, this is some of, uh, good modules will say, this is some of their strategies. This is how they might go about it. And then some of them will say, they'll send their peons out. And if things go bad for the peons, they're off and running. And that's great because that gives me something. And, or like I sit there and say, well, what is this person's motivations? And so, you know, I, I have a pretty good idea of what Khan's motivations are. And I know now if, if you guys fight with him, what's he going to do? So at the end of the day, it's, it's really good for me that whatever the experience or the consequence of what you guys do, there will be consequences in one form or another. There will be consequences. And to me, like if you walk into the rich sex section of town and you start killing, you know, yes. good citizens. Yeah. You won't live long. Well, what does that mean? Because you just sit there and you think you in the real world, if you went into a rich neighborhood and you know that that guy was, you know, he was a mafia member but he lived in a rich neighborhood. I mean, the whole innocent until proven guilty. I mean, that guy's innocent as far as the legal system is concerned, even if you know that he's guilty. So you murder him because you know he's guilty. But guess what? The rest of the world now thinks that you're a criminal. And that that's a natural consequence. Yeah. Uh, unless you can, beyond a shadow of a doubt, prove that you're getting rid of this person was a good thing for the community, there will be consequences. Yeah. And I think that that's what we'll find out as we go along. Yeah. Like in the wilderness, it's fine. There's less things you need to worry about. But I'm even of the opinion, like, let's say you go into a forest and this is a forest where the wood elves live and a lot of them are druids and you start killing off all the bears in the forest. To me, <laughs> the wood elves, I mean, they're in harmony with this and some strangers coming in, killing all the bears, there would be a consequence. Hmm. So, I mean, that, I think that's just it because then you, you, you there's a story to this. And all of a sudden, you know, you haven't encountered any wood elves and it's like three or four sessions later and you guys are in this small town and all of a sudden, you know, a cadre of, of wood elves arrives who've followed you there and you're like, oh God, what happened? You guys are here because we killed those bears? Oh, hmm. Mm. We're in trouble. Yeah. You and know, it, it reminds me of Logan in X-Men when the bear was killed. Oh, right. <laughs> Still, but I, I think that's the, the good thing is, is you know, you set your session zero, you set some expectations. And I think as a GM, I do need to make sure in, 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 in some fashion, pre-session, uh, each session, just reiterate, you know, what is, you know, what our goals are here. And also I think that there's the, the, um, the alignment, you know, where do you sit? Are you guys, and, and we should be doing this ourselves. We should be saying, and remember guys, you know, we are the good guys. We are not at odds with everybody in the town and the police. And we don't go robbing and stealing from everybody and we can is, find unless we have a reason to. And that's something that we actually haven't said. And, and you, and you really, you should, because the thing is, it, it's supposed to be equal. It's not supposed to be the GM preaching to you guys. No. You guys, like some of the things you do, like where you're like, oh, and I know this person and he's got this and he's going to do this. Okay, this is you adding story into the story. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And I can say, yeah, okay, sure. Or I can say, no, that's just too far. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that being able to do that and work with each other and play, not just role play with the GM, but role play with each other is yeah. important. And that does mean 
talking to each other. And so far, this new group seems to be more willing to go down that road, yeah, which is good. Figure it out. Which is definitely good. So yeah, some two of the guys are still a little bit quiet, but you know, I think you work at them. And and so far, I, I'm I'm pleased with the first two sessions, and we'll yeah. just see how things go. Keep I going. think they'll just keep getting better. Anyway, I think that's probably good enough to close this session and we'll see you guys again next week.